Happy Tuesday, y'all. Second hour of the radio show. He's Rami. I'm Cattles. Let's talk some Kings, Rami. Okay. Ye- yesterday we had this uh, conversation uh, about Brian Custer. If you don't know who Brian Custer is, I didn't have much of a clue, honestly, yesterday morning. I've seen him like once or twice on TV. But uh, he filled in for Greeny on Get Up yesterday. He's the, the voice of Showtime. No, he's not the voice. He's the pre-post uh, Showtime boxing guy. Oh, oh, is he? Yeah. Well, there you have I it. I know that. Did not know that. Not being a big boxing guy, I would not know that. So uh, Brian Custer was on ESPN's Get Up, and he had said that he believes the Kings are the team that could challenge a possible Nuggets dynasty. Yes, in the e- West. Everybody else that was around, right, was it was around that uh, scene on Get Up. You had Marcus Spears, you had Monica McNutt, you had Alan Hahn. They all pretty much just like laughed at Custer. And Alan Hahn said, oh. said he was disappointed. Monica McNutt said, I like it, but you're crazy. And Alan Hahn said, you need oven mitts because that's the hottest take of the year. The, the oven mitts joke yes, really, really was, landed. That was what you. the peanut calorie, calorie had to say. So that was Brian Custer yesterday. I don't know if ESPN sent out a memo for at least one person per show, <laughs> per debate show, to bring up the Sacramento Kings in these conversations. Just to piss off the people they're working with. But today, it was Mad Dog Russo's turn, and he was on first take. Why do I not go with Darian Fox, Monk, Sabonis, and what they gained this year? Sacramento is number four. Sacramento! They're only going to get better. They had Golden State beat. If Barnes makes a jump shot, it would have won that series, and then play the Lakers, and who knows? Fox is great. Monk did a great job. We like Sabonis, the kid from Baylor. They're only going to get better. A lot of experience gained from last year's postseason. You know they're going to be a 50-win team next year. They were the obvious. They were the two seed. They were the three seed in the in the Western Conference. They'll be higher. Kings future might be a touch shy, but the Kings future with the Thunder is big time. What might be say? a touch high. Oh, is that what he said? I yeah. honestly had no idea if those were even words. In the English language. Might be a touch high. Okay. All yeah. right. Might be a, might be a touch. Okay. Got might it. be a touch high. That makes sense. Feels like our Jim Ross conversation several months <laughs> ago. Uh, so there was Chris Russo. Obviously called De'Aaron Fox, De'Arian Fox. De'Arian. Swing and a miss. Love De'Arian Fox, man. How can you know, not love De'Arian Fox? Look, if you like if you like De'Aaron, wait till you see De'Arian. <laughs> exactly. Off the charts. <laughs> Blow your shorts off. De'Arian Fox is just, he's maybe my favorite basketball player. That guy could average 50 a game if he love wanted De'Arian to. Love De'Arian Fox. He can do anything he wants out there. De'Aaron's clutch, but boy, oh boy. De'Arian is the something clutch else. is De'Arian. It's been, uh, you know, it's been amazing to track the, the career, the mysterious career of one De'Arian Fox. But anyway, let's not let's not focus on the uh, on the bad here, Rami. Let's, not let's get focus lost on the, in good. the sauce, That's right. right? Yeah. Mad Dog Russo says that the Kings aren't just a top five contender in the Western Conference; they are a top five contender. Technically, they're in the final four of contenders in the NBA. In all the NBA, I don't, at first, even I was sitting there going, "Top five? Are you? What are you out of your mind? Top five in the whole NBA?" But Nick, if you think about it. Is is it might that, be a touch high? Is is that crazy to think that they could? I mean, they were they were a top six team in terms of seeding this year. They were the three seed in the West. Top five means getting winning a playoff series, and yeah. you, and you're maybe in the conversation of the top five teams in the NBA. You know what I mean? If you're the best team to lose 
in the second round of the playoffs, then you could make the argument that you're a top five basketball team. Could you not? Is that crazy to think that the Kings could take enough of a step forward that they're they're playing another playoff series next year and and maybe giving whoever they play a run, a run for their money and and a fight in the second round of the playoffs next year. I don't think top five is that crazy. Top four means you're a comp, you make it to the conference finals. I don't put the conference finals past the Sacramento Kings okay. next year. So this is where we talk about gradations, though. This is where we talk about from eight to five or eight to four. It it usually means you took a significant jump. I know what you're saying. From from just looking at the numbers, you can make the argument you just made, which is, well, if you just if you got to the second round and if you, you win a playoff series, you could make the case yeah, that you were a top five team. Yes. Right? Well, no, because the series hasn't ended. You're a top eight team. And that's what I'm saying. From from eight to five or eight to four sure. is that's a big leap. I mean, there's a lot of teams that made it to the second round of the playoffs that never even came close to touching the finals in the conference because they just, you know, they weren't good enough. It depends on the year. It depends on the opponents. It depends on a lot of things. Just numbers-wise, again, you could kind of play that game that you just did, but in reality, there is a difference between teams that get to the conference finals and teams that lose in the second round. I mean, Philadelphia could sit there and say that they could be a top-five team every year. They keep losing in the second round. So not really. You you wouldn't feel comfortable putting them in the top five going into next year because of what's happened the last several years with them and Joel Embiid. I, I would slow down a bit talking about top four or five. In the NBA, I, I would slow down because the first thing we have to recognize and appreciate and acknowledge is that the Western Conference could be better next year. Sure. Now, it could be worse. We went through the teams. There's a lot of arguments that you can make against the Suns of the world and the Clippers of the world and the Lakers of the world based on injury and age and all that stuff. But we don't know what's going to happen. If Portland lands a big fish to go with Dame Dalla and Shaden Sharp takes a step forward, that team is going to be better than it was. Oklahoma City surprised a lot of people. With an offseason with Sam Presti, that team could be better than what we thought it was. Who knows what's going to happen with Phoenix in the offseason? Who knows what happens with CP3 and the like? If they could add somebody there, who knows, right? Dallas has a big offseason with the decision with Kyrie and what they might be able to put together. Are the Lakers going to bring back everybody like the front office wants to or is LeBron going to get his way and they add a big name then they're going to be dangerous if they add Kyrie that's a different team with Kyrie LeBron and Anthony Davis as the big three so that's just the west the west could get better could could yes could get worse I'm not I'm not I'm not discounting that or or not thinking about I'm I'm looking at it as it stands today. The offseason could change all of this in terms of if you want to call it power rankings or or odds maker, whatever whatever you want to call it. The offseason could change all of this. I look at the NBA right now and I'm hard pressed to find six or seven teams that I would that I would automatically put ahead of the Sacramento Kings, which tells me they're in or on the cusp of the top five as we sit here today on June 13th. Maybe a touch high. Maybe a touch high. Maybe a touch high. But as we sit here today, I don't think top five is is a crazy thing to say about this Kings team. They're either there or right on the cusp of it. Now, yes, you're right. The offseason could change everything, depending what the Suns do, the Clippers, the if Warriors. If the Kings don't upgrade and Bucks, other teams upgrade yeah. in the conference, then then you're in tr- – like, if you bring back HB, I don't think bringing back HB is going to be enough. Like, bringing back HB and having Sasha Vizenkov to me is not going to be enough. The, the real problem is the East. 
The real problem's the East. The Philadelphia, they're going to be motivated to do something here. They're they're a dangerous team. Boston, obviously, dangerous team. We'll see what happens with Milwaukee's offseason. We'll talk about Miami later on in the show, but there are multiple insiders saying that Miami's going to go absolutely for it this offseason and and try to get rid of as many contracts and and first-round picks to bring in one more guy to go along with Bam and Jimmy Butler. What does Miami do? So there's going to be a lot. There's going to be a lot of things that happen in the offseason. I just would not say that they would be my favorites to get to the Western Conference Finals next year. And if I'm not going to say that, I'm not going to tell you that they're a top four team. They have a chance, absolutely. And again, there's so much that could happen that we don't know what's going to happen. But would I pet, but like, would I bet money? That's the way I look at these things. If you had $1,000 in your back pocket, would you put $1,000 on the idea that the Kings are going to absolutely be in the conference finals next year? No, but if you told me I have to put $1,000... On, on somebody today, the, the Nuggets would be the team. But I look in the West, and I'm saying today. The offseason could change everything. If you told me I had to put $1,000 on somebody today to win the West and it can't be the Nuggets, I, the Kings are in the conversation. I, I'm going to put a lot of, I'm put a lot of thought and there's research no into doubt. it. Listen, there's the no, Kings are in the conversation. It's, it's splitting hairs because it's the conversation right. that Mad Dog Russo had. They're in the conversation. I would not be surprised. You're saying just a touch high. I would not be surprised if they finished, you know, as a top five or six NBA team. And really, it would be four because how do you decide between five through eight? It's kind of funny, right? So, do they have a chance? Certainly, if Monty makes if Monty makes the moves that uh, he's capable of making, if he has another great off season like he had last off season, I believe in Monty McNair. Absolutely, they're in the conversation. I'm just saying I would not put them there right now. I would not tell you that they're a top four team in the NBA. I, I do think that's a bit high. Might or, be a touch high. Or a touch high. Might be a touch high. I think they're right on the outside looking in as we walk into this offseason. I don't know what Mad Dog is talking about most of the time. And then if the offseason off goes great, then you reevaluate because it's June 13th. We've got to get through the draft and free agency. Then we'll have a better idea. But right now, on paper, I think they're outside the top four. All that stuff is right around the corner. Yes. Draft, free agency, all that. Draft is a week from Thursday. Ooh, baby. One week. Let's one go. week from Thursday. Let's get this thing going. So your thoughts on Chris Mad Dog Russo saying that the Kings are a top four team. He believes next year they're going to contend. Top four team in the NBA. I think that's, as he said, a touch high, which is kind of funny because it damages his entire argument. But, uh, 1-800-920-1140 is the phone number. The text line is 916-339-1140. You can hit us up on YouTube in the chat there as well, youtube.com, Sacktown Sports 1140. Give us them thumbs up, them likes. And uh, if you'd like more content, sacktownsports.com is the place to be. Get your reaction. Also in 90 seconds, is Nikola Jokic an all-time great? Cattles and Rami. Sacktown Sports. David Neal in the chat. Once D'Arian broke his finger, our days were numbered. Yeah, that was tough when D'Arian broke his finger. Was just, that was tough. Played through it, though. D'Arian's a tough kid. It's like you're listening. You're listening to uh, Chris Russo tell you, how the Kings could be a top 
four team next year. And he doesn't know their best player's name. Yes. And then says, yeah, you know what? That might be a tad high. He's not helping himself at all. It's like you're, you're a Kings fan going, oh, this is great. Oh, Diarian. Okay, Who? not so good. Not so good. But I'm get. I'm, all right, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Just a tad high. What? Tad high? Did you just did you just correct your own rankings? Is that what just happened here? I mean, it's really it's really a genius thing from Mad Dog because if he gets questioned about this, he could be like, "Look, I, I said, said it, it was might maybe be a, tad a touch high. high, yeah." And you know that could be eighth or ninth. I have the definition of what a touch or a tad high is. I have ownership of that. And he put them at four, not five. Yeah, and like you said, top four is usually pretty clear cut. Five through eight. A little murkier, a yeah. Little, a little cloudier, fluid. There's some gray area there. One through four, though. But then he says maybe a touch high, so he makes the top four a gray area as well. Maybe a touch high. Maybe a touch high. Keep I the s- king's name out your mouth. I swear I did not know what he said until you translated for me. Maybe a touch high. Maybe a touch high. Uh, anyway, uh, Jokic hands down one of the best in the game right now. No- nobody would disagree with that. But you wonder if there's a little bit of an overcorrection happening because there is a conversation out there in the national media world, in the podcast world, about Jokic possibly being an all-time great. Here was SI's Chris Mannix on that thought. I'd probably feel differently about Jokic if he had gone through Boston or Milwaukee or in a matchup with Joel Embiid in Philadelphia. I think it's a a playoff run that elevates him. I don't know if it elevates him to that top-tier stratosphere. He answers every question that was ever out there about his ability to succeed in the playoffs. But to get to that next level of superstar, that all-time great level of superstar, I want to see him go up against a team that you consider their equal or even consider their better to beat someone that you're staring down and you're the underdog in that particular series by a sizable amount. In the NBA, you play the team that's in front of you, and they have beaten every team that's been in front of them, most of them pretty badly. If we're talking about where that this plays playoffs pushes Nikola Jokic, it's a level up, but it's not that all-time great level up just yet. Okay, so Mannix then went on Twitter and added some context to this. He tweeted out, Jokic is an all-time great. I've said it, written it, podcasted about it. I do think there is another level he can get to, which was the discussion. When he has his Magic versus Bird moment, LeBron slash Cavs versus Warriors moment, dot, dot, dot. Here was Michael Porter Jr. last night on his teammate after the win. Yeah, I don't really think you can uh, put it into context. Like, Nikola, I mean, all he, he does so many things for our team. He's so He's so good of a basketball player, like, I don't really think people understand how good of a basketball player he is. I mean, but to to do this, you know, we're we're happy for him, and um, we're happy for everybody on the team. But I mean, Nikola, he let us all playoffs with his passing some games, scoring other games. This was a historic run. I don't know how you could say he's not the best big man ever. Really, like he's one of the all-time great basketball players. Um, I don't care what anyone says. I, I think he's one of the all-time best players to ever play this game. So to be on his team, he makes it easy for the rest of us. So Mannix was like, let me give you some context. Michael Porter Jr. was like, forget context. Forget your context. He's the best big man ever. This guy's the best ever. Why do we got to do this? Because the national media is, loves to do it. it but is, is that what this is? Is this a product of these times that we're in when we talk about the media 
And part tw- of it, wouldn't you think? Twenty four seven having people like Cattles and Robbie talking about these games and, and you these have to have content man. and these players. Why do we have to do this? A three four year run does not make you the great, the greatest of all time, or one of the all time greats. Unless, I don't even want to get into the conversation of you know what what constitutes one of the all time greats. Are we talking top five? Are we talking top ten? Why can't we just appreciate something for what it is in the moment? And then when a guy has the resume and the track record long enough to be in the discussion for some of these contexts that these guys are putting them in, all-time greats, and saying things like that, then we can have those discussions. Look, man, Jokic had a historic playoff run. 600 points, 269 rebounds, 190 assists. That led all players in the playoffs, and it's the first time one player led all three of those categories. He's got two MVPs. One could argue he should have a third. It was a great run. It's been a great three-, four-year run for Jokic as he as he comes into his own and becomes the great player that he is. But to sit here and talk about he's in the pantheon of all-time greats or the greatest big men, man— it's we're just not there yet, okay? There are guys named Wilt and Bill Russell and Shaq and 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 Akeem and and many others that put together resumes that span a decade or more of doing the types of things that we're talking about Jokic doing. We can't have that discussion yet. It's it's premature and it's and a I, little bit crazy. I don't even want the discussion when we can have it. Like I tweeted out today. These generational conversations drive me crazy. And I know people say, well, that's what we talk about in the barbershop and at the bar. I understand that. Yeah, I don't mind doing it. But there's no right answer to me. There's no, d- that's what makes it fun. But to me, it's not fun if you can't come to some kind of logical conclusion. Like you, you've, got, nah. you've got completely different generations of basketball. Players have evolved. The game that Akeem played is not the game that Nikola Jokic is playing. Nikola Jokic isn't playing the game that Shaq played or Patrick Ewing or any of those guys. We, we've reached a different stratosphere when it comes to skill level in the NBA specifically. We have freaks, ladies and gentlemen, seven-foot-tall freaks shooting from 27 feet away like it's no big deal. It's a different game. And so because Nikola Jokic plays on, you know, two – has had two MVP seasons and is on five All-NBA teams and won a Finals MVP last night. That doesn't necessarily mean he would have done it back in the 80s when the game was played differently. It doesn't mean that Shaq's success and Akeem's success would have translated to 2023 when they played an entirely different game. You could argue that Shaq might have been like a... I don't want people to take too much out of this, but try to understand what I'm saying. The style of basketball of like a DeAndre Jordan, an in-the-paint guy who was really, really good for a long stretch, but he did not fit with a lot of the game. It evolves. It evolves. So what happens is people have these ideas of who are the best because of their heartstrings. They tend to fall in love with the players that they grew up watching. That's why you have the Michael Jordan-LeBron argument in debate that everybody has to have. The fact is, when you grew up and you were most impressionable, that is the person that you're likely going to side with. We don't know what these guys would have looked like in different eras. We have no clue. So enjoy it for what it is. And by the way, he's an incredible story. 
41st pick in the draft. Everybody killed this guy because of the way he looked. Nobody thought he was going to be anything. We build up the Giannis Antetokounmpo story because he was the Greek freak and he was super skinny. That dude was Giannis still... Antetokounmpo! <laughs> he was a string bean. He was at least picked in the middle of the first round. Yeah. Kawhi Leonard's a great story, picked in like the middle of the first round. Jimmy Butler was picked at the end of the first round. Somebody posted on Twitter last night they, the list of the 40 players taken ahead of Jokic in the draft that year, and man, some teams really swung and missed on not taking Nikolai Jokic. But, I mean, who knew, man? How, how could you know? I mean, it, the it's guy, an amazing story. Amazing story. Absolutely freaking amazing story. Nobody saw this coming. Everybody doubted this guy. He was the opposite of Giannis. Giannis was seen as too skinny, too frail. Jokic was seen out of shape. He's too big. He's not the most fluid guy when he plays, but he somehow makes it work. How many times does he look clunky as he's driving to the bucket, but he throws up a shot and it goes in? You're like, all right. I still can't get over that three-pointer hit over Anthony Davis. I think it was the buzzer of the third quarter where even Anthony Davis couldn't do anything but laugh and shake his head. He, he just chucked it up from, like, behind his head, and it somehow fell through the hoop. Yeah, some of the stuff he does, it doesn't – do, Mark Jackson said, uh, one, after one of those ugly moves, he said, I swear some old school dude did that with a cigarette in his mouth over I heard him say at that. the park. I heard him say that. <laughs> he does have, like, that old dude at the park or at the Y type of game where it's not all that pretty and you don't know how it works, but somehow it works. Let's just say he's great. That's all we need to say. He's great. And people in this generation that have grown up and watched him play, they're going to put him as one of the all-time greats because you're most impressionable. Mm-hmm. That's how this works. But MJ was the GOAT. 49ers. Thank 49ers pass rush edition of Feeling It or Fraudulence coming up. Is it really real or is it fake? Truth or Fugazi? It's time to find out. It's Feeling It or Fraudulent. So a lot of people on the Niners beat believe they need an edge. They need another edge rusher to go along with Nick Bosa. That seems to be the thing all of a sudden. And there have been a lot of names thrown out there Yes, by these beat writers. And so we figured we'd have a 49ers edge rusher edition of Feeling It or Fraudulent. JJ will run through some of these names. And obviously, Rami and I will tell you if we're feeling that name or if we think that name is fraudulent to the Niners. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Mr. Cattles, we'll begin with Mr. Makloff since you kicked off and brought us back. We'll start with someone that you should be familiar with there, Rami. We're talking about the defensive end of the Minnesota Vikings, Daniil Hunter. Feeling it or fraudulent, sir? This dude is an absolute game changer and a game wrecker from, from the edge. Him opposite Nick Bosa is an absolutely terrifying prospect, especially with Javon Hargrave in the middle is an absolutely terrifying prospect to any opposing defensive coordinator. The question is the price tag and, and both in terms of the trade that you're going to have to make to get him. And I'm assuming he wants an extension wherever he goes. And that's why he wants out of Minnesota. If you could somehow get him in sort of a rental type of situation, Nick, he's owed about $5 million against the cap this year. I might be willing to, to, to throw away those draft picks and and take Daniil Hunter on a one-year rental just to see what him, him and Nick Bosa could do opposite each other on a defensive line. I'm passing on him. I think it's fraudulent. 
Too much money. You mentioned it. The I contract. I should have said feeling it. That's the bit. You've feeling got uh, that is the bit. Yes. You've got Nick Bosa, who's going to make just monstrous money coming up soon. Hargrave signed his big fat deal. Too much money on that defensive line. You need to make sure you keep some sort of roster balance, especially on the defensive side of the football. And the price. You mentioned, Rami, what they'd have to give up. I feel like coming off of the Trey Lance trade, that didn't really help you. It would be better to see the Niners settle in and keep a couple of years of picks moving forward here in the first and second rounds. I know they've had compensatory picks for days, but it would be nice to see John Lynch and company back in the first round drafting and keeping second round picks. So I just I think the price is too high for the position. I wouldn't go for Daniel. What if they were interested in Trey Lance and that dropped the price tag in terms of whatever draft picks you'd have to give up? They are looking for their future quarterback. I'd pass. Next. All right, Nick, we'll jump over to the only player who in the last seven seasons has had eight sacks or more. That's Yannick Ngakwe. Feeling it or fraudulent? Feeling Ngakwe, baby. Feeling it. Uh, Productive. He's a productive pass rusher. He's likely affordable. And he's only 28 years old. I still think he has a couple years left. And he just signed with Drew Rosenhaus. I yeah. should have probably put that in. That's too. fine. I think he's still going to meet the price point for you. If you're looking for somebody to be opposite of Bosa and to help at least in, in, a, in a role to get after the quarterback in Gakwe, reasonable price, production, I'd go for it. Given what you said, Nick, productive and 28 years old, it's surprising he can be had. At, at a reasonable price. And you do have to wonder why this is going to be, what, his fourth team in three years or third team in four years? I forgot the order of those numbers. But you do have to wonder why he can't stick anywhere when edge rushers are at an absolute premium. Unless there's absolute red flags there, I'm feeling it. That That's a dude who can chase down quarterbacks at a high rate and is still very young. And again, putting him opposite Nick Bosa, to me, is a is a very formidable tandem. We'll go with the former rookie of the year, someone who has just recently been hitting the trade headlines. We'll go with the Washington Commanders defensive end, Chase Young. Rami, feeling it or fraudulent? I'm feeling it. I think this is a situation where you can buy low on a guy who is very, very talented. And the last time he was healthy in this league was absolutely terrorizing quarterbacks. It's been a couple of years since that, but I don't think the commanders would necessarily be asking for very much because it's been a couple of years since we've seen Chase Young be a very effective pass rusher and the health problems that come along with him and the possible payoff. It's a it's a high-reward, low-risk move to me if you can get him at the right price. Feeling it. I would pass on it. I'd really? say fraudulent. Uh, the problem, again, is the contract. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent after this season. The commanders did not pick up his fifth-year option. So if he has a great year, he's gone. And so if you're saying just for one year and that's all you care about, sure. But I'm looking at a little bit longer of a window. And I'm not so sold on the idea that the commanders are just going to give this guy away. I would not be giving up a quality pick or two for somebody that I have for, you know, one year on the deal. Just not going to happen. Not going to happen. Uh, the ACL a couple of years ago cost him really two years of his career. I wouldn't be running to the front of the line to, to give up a, a good pick for somebody who's likely to be out of the program within the next year. So there you have it. The mighty has fallen, man. Chase Young. Ooh, right? was like, Remember when he was a can't miss? Man. I mean, he, he could still like be the terrific. Next big thing? He could still be terrific. That's what I'm saying. I'm just 
I'll take a one-year rental. This is a, this is a big year for the Niners. Like I said a couple of days ago when we were talking about it, the window might be as wide open as it's going to be. Not that it's slamming shut, just saying it might be as wide open as it's going to be. The bigger story to me is the fact that people really feel, and I would agree with it, that the Niners need the, the other edge opposite of Bosa. They need some kind of dependability. When they got Drake Jackson on the team. Muscled up Drake Jackson. I mean, the perfect world scenario is that Drake Jackson proves worthy of his pick and plays really good football. Then that's your answer. He's on the contract for several years. He's young production and affordable production. So hopefully Lynch did not swing and miss on that one. By the way, I remind you all guests come to you from the Folsom Lake Honda hotline. Folsom Lake Honda is your one-stop Honda shop. Uh, We got some tickets to give away. We'll do that. Also, uh, there's another UFO whistleblower, and you won't believe what this guy has to say. It's been a couple of shows since we had a chance to talk UFOs. We've become your source. We have. For UFO news. And we have uh, more to get to here. But before we do that, I'm going to give away some tickets. Two. A show that you would have zero interest in. Mm. Country superstar Dirks Bentley is coming to Harvey's Lake Tahoe on My August God. 4th. Need to give uh, one lucky listener a pair of tickets to enjoy the show, courtesy of Another Planet Entertainment. You want to hit up the Folsom Lake Honda hotline for your chance to win right now. We're looking for caller number eight. Caller number eight, the contest line, uh, 1-800-920-1140. 1-800-920-1140 is that number. Uh, caller number eight to the contest line wins a pair of tickets to go see Dirks Bentley in Tahoe on August 4th. Again, thanks to Another Planet Entertainment for those tickets, and congratulations to caller number eight on the contest line, 1-800-920-1140. You think his name is really Dirks? Uh, I would think so. What kind of name is that? Why, why would you go out of your way to name yourself Dirks? I don't know. Why would you name well, your child Dirks? It's his middle name. So there you have it. All right. You want to know what his first name is? Sure. Frederick. Frederick, Frederick Dirks, Dirks Bentley. Bentley? Yes. He's almost Fred Durst. He was born in Phoenix, Arizona. Frederick Dirks Bentley. So, so he that, chose Dirks. Yeah, you go with Dirks. He was like, call me Dirks. He went with Dirks because he thought it was better than Frederick. I don't know. Fred Bentley? That could be a country music artist, right? Yeah, but it's not as like... It doesn't stand out like yeah, Dirks. Dirks Bentley's a little... It's a little extra showy. I don't know. What What's your problem with Dirks? You're making it sound it's like just it's... a weird name. It's a sound. That's not a name. What do you mean it's a sound? It's a sound. It's not even a name. Dirks is a sound. Yes. If you say so. I don't even know what that means. All right, meanwhile, let's get to the UFOs. Congratulations to caller number eight. Uh, so we talked about David Grush last week, who was the whistleblower, intelligence officer. And he went on the record to say that he had seen still intact aircraft from non-human origin or whatever the hell he said. He also mentioned that, yes, we do have aliens in our possession. We are possession. not alone. Yes. We are not alone. We are not alone. Uh, so interestingly enough, Grusha's sit-down with News Nation has been pulled from YouTube. So there are some other links that are out there. You could still watch this mm. interview. but uh, Very suspicious. Yeah. 
Now is it suspicious because of Grush? Is he is he not credible? What are they hiding? Or exactly, are they hiding something? What are they hiding? Somebody got upset that he went on record and said this publicly. Well, we have a new source, Rami. We have a new whistleblower. This story is pretty wild. So this is from the Daily Mail in the United Kingdom. Former Marine Michael Herrera tells DailyMail.com that he saw a UFO being loaded with weapons while serving in Indonesia in 2009. Herrera claims an Air Force lieutenant colonel told him, quote, you're not allowed to talk about what happened. You will go to prison or you will die, unquote. Well, now, seems serious. Herrera says he was emboldened to break his 14-year silence by new UFO whistleblower protections and in April testified under oath about his wild story. So, much like Grush, this guy has gone under oath. Herrera was just 20 at the time this happened. Here's what he had to say. Quote, the craft was rotating in a clockwise motion while changing colors. It had an audible hum to it, like the sound of a transformer or a guitar amp. It was an octagonal shape with a pyramid at the top of it that was black, unquote. So clockwise motion, changing colors, a hum to it, like an a guitar amp. with a pyramid on top. Yes. Okay. And the pyramid was black, apparently. Herrera claimed that when he and his five comrades got within 150 feet of the craft, they were ambushed by eight men wearing all black camouflage, bulletproof vests, wielding M4 rifles with high-end night vision attachments given to elite U.S. troops. Quote, they had their weapons drawn on us. We could audibly hear their weapon safety levers flipping off safe. Unquote. He then says that uh, two of these individuals with American accents yelled at Herrera and others, who the bleep are you guys? What are you doing here? I said we weren't supposed to be there and that they could kill us. As the men continued to threaten them, they took the Marines' weapons, dumped their ammunition, and scanned their military IDs. Herrera said he saw others loading large weapon cases and other containers from modified Ford F-350 trucks onto a platform beneath the craft. Now, he also continued in the article to explain that unnamed high-ranking military officials commanded his silence even toward his chain of command. There's a lot to unpack here. Yes, I would say so. So we've got an aircraft sighting. We have being loaded some kind of paramilitary group of eight men with M4 rifles showing up and all black camo in all places, Indonesia with, yeah, bulletproof vests, all black camo telling these Marines to get the hell away from what's going on here. And if they were to mess around in any kind of way. You're going to get yourself shot. Now, my stance on extraterrestrials and whether or not we've been visited, Nick, has all along been, I wouldn't say I'm not a believer, but I'm not not a believer. You know, I think it's entirely possible. I just just don't know. And when I hear a story like this one where it 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 almost sounds too much like a movie, you know what I mean? The whole thing, the 
the the the spinning octagon with different colors with the humming noise and the black pyramid on top and the getting ambushed by eight guys and all black camo and special weaponry and the click of the safety like the whole thing just reads like a hollywood script to me and and that to me makes it a little less a little less believable than some other tales that we've heard. I will say he's I, are you are you with me on that? He's heavy on the details. Yes. Uh, you know, talking about Ford F350s and the types of rifles that were used, there could be two explanations for this. He is a military man. He knows his weaponry, right? It, it is so descriptive in his mind and it was such a a life-altering moment that he remembered all of these specific details. Because it was like, holy crap, did you just see that? And he's talking with the other guys, and they're kind of going over it. Or the other thing is, is that he's trying to give you a lot of detail to make you believe that this actually happened. Right. And the more details that he gives you, he's believing that it makes this story more credible. Like, if instead, if I said they just jumped out of a truck, no, they jumped out of Ford F-350s. Is that a nice truck, by the way? I don't know anything about yeah. trucks. They were, you know, wearing black camouflage. They were wielding M4 rifles instead of just any rifle because that's what happens, right? Somebody comes out and they say this stuff like this guy has been saying, and immediately there are people that will question, all right, what kind of gun? What kind of truck? And so it's it's either he's got his bleep in order and he has a, a crystal clear memory of this because it was bananas, or he is fully prepared for those questions to be asked, and he's trying to get rid of those questions before they are. With, hey, it's an F-350. I told you what it was. Yeah, that was the kind of rifle they were using, the M4. I want to believe because, again. Again, dude went under oath. If they're listening as these airwaves emanate into the ether and out into space, or if our alien overlords are watching at YouTube.com slash Sports. I, for one, welcome you. So I want to believe it. I just, I'm all, I, I want to believe it, Nick, but the natural skeptic in me is always looking for the holes in the story. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And this just seems a little too Hollywood scripty for me to, to buy this particular retelling of these alleged events. There's a lot of. Call me a wet blanket. There's a lot want. of description. There's a lot of description. U.S. Marine or. British Marine, because you said this was from the Daily Mail in the UK, right? Uh, I did say it was from the Daily Mail. They just say former Marine. Okay. But he did talk about, you know, American accents from two of the people that rolled up. I noticed that. That might lead you to believe that this was an English Marine. Fair. So. It's a fair conclusion to jump to. I'm not here to tell you that it's a thing or not a thing. I'm just here to share the information with you. Probably not We are not alone. And And that's what we know. That's what we know right now. Are the Nuggets the next NBA dynasty? Talk about that next. Cattles and Robbie. Cattles and Robbie. Sacktown Sports.